When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co host, Dolores Alfieri. And today we bring to you the second part of our two part interview with Tony Reale of ESPN. If you haven't heard the first part, you can do so at ItalianAmericanPodcast.com forward slash reality, all lowercase R-E-A-L-I. We've gotten some great feedback on the episode. Tony was very engaging and captivating, and we're excited to bring you the second part. Dolores, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Anthony. Just want to take a second to thank everyone who's been sending us emails and leaving us comments and iTunes reviews and joining our mailing list. It's really great how the community has been growing. We also have a special story segment in this episode because this episode is airing on Father's Day. We want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening, of course. Anthony is going to share a brief reflection on what Father's Day means to him, and we're going to play a recording of a phone call that I had with my sister because we thought it was important to touch a bit on what I experience and my family experiences. And we know many of our listeners experience on days like Father's Day, which is, you know, that your fathers are no longer here or your nonos are no longer here. And so it's not really such a day of celebration. It can be bittersweet and it can even be painful. Also, I want to mention that we do blog on our off episode weeks, and our latest post is titled Family Sweet Summer and the Real Jersey Shore, which is an excerpt from Dolores's memoir. And being an Italian who went to the Jersey Shore every summer with my entire family of probably like 30, 40 people, the post definitely hit home with me. And from some of the feedback we got, it, it's hit home with a lot of people. So please check out the post. And leave any comments you might want to. We've already had some going on the blog. It's at ItalianAmericanPodcast.com. Just click on the blog and you can find all of our articles. All right. So now I'm going to introduce our guest. But before I do, I want to get a quick message from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At NEF, we know there's nothing more important than family. So we invite you to be part of ours. We work to protect our great heritage, promote the Italian language, build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, our scholarships provide young Italian Americans help in earning a solid education. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become part of the NIAF family today. This is Julia Streisfeld, Assistant Director of Programs for the National Italian American Foundation, and here is your Italian American community news. Help preserve the statue of Christopher Columbus in Washington, D.C. The statue is one of 20 sites that have been nominated for a grant by the Partners in Preservation Campaign. Winners will be decided by popular vote. Voting is underway now and will continue until July 5, 2016. You can cast your vote daily at www.nationalgeographic.com slash voteyourpark. Brooklyn resident Robert Nash has created a petition to correct the spelling of the Verrazzano Bridge by adding a second Z. The open letter aims to replace all signs that use the incorrect spelling adopted by previous Governor Nelson Rockefeller because it was more American. The petition can be found at gopetition.com. Did you miss out on the fun at our New York Gala? Join us on October 15th for our 41st Anniversary Gala in Washington, D.C. Advanced registration is now available for specially priced tickets until July 1st. Are you a student interested in telling the story of Italian Americans in the United States? 
Apply today for our Fall 2016 NIAF Italian American Museum Fellowship. You'll have the opportunity to curate historic artifacts from our Foundation's collection and present on it as a docent at our 41st Anniversary Gala Weekend. For more information on all NIAF news, visit www.niaf.org. All right, so again, this is the second part of the two-part interview with Tony Reale. If you don't know Tony Reale, he joined ESPN back in July of 2000 as a researcher and a writer for one of their fast-paced shows, The Two-Minute Drill with Kenny Maine. And then in 2001, he became a researcher for Pardon the Interruption, a role which eventually evolved into a daily on-air appearance. His presence really grew to include his own segment on the Tony Kornheiser show on ESPN Radio called Preview the Interruption, during which he would discuss an upcoming episode. And then in 2004, he was named the host of Around the Horn, which is an everyday show, Monday to Friday, 5 p.m. He had done some fill-in hosting on it previously. And then he subbed in and he hasn't looked back since. It's been about 15 years now. And we really congratulated for all his hard work. So we're going to jump into the second part of the interview with Tony. And the quote that we chose for today's episode is as follows. My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. And that was from Jim Valvano. talking about family and work you know your family and work it makes me think of uh, we had Adriana Trigiani she's a New York Times bestselling author mm. very amazing woman an amazing writer and she said to us there are two themes in her life and they, they drive her and she says love and work yeah. so that's all I care about and I find them very Italian themes and I find them very enduring themes yeah. and for me that distills it it, it is a theme that keeps coming up, but love and work. It's, they are very Italian-American traits. And well, you love your work and you work for your family, right? Exactly. So, like, and, and what matters? Through. You go to work, you work hard, you come home, and what's the next important thing? Being with everybody. Mm-hmm. Eating together. Like, I'm getting chills talking about it. <laughs> Eating together, right? Loving each other, supporting each other. It's family. And I'm family. getting hungry. You're getting <laughs> chills. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so, you see your siblings often? or My brother... John Paul now lives in Savannah, Georgia. He went from rocket scientist to airplane scientist, which, which is good. Rosie's in Monmouth County, New Jersey. Michael's there as well. Christina is in Albany now. She just graduated from Colgate. We have to give her a big party for graduating college. We have, we're, we're a little bit behind on that. <laughs> and um, we're working at trying to get to a place where we can see each other more and talk more because, yeah. you know, we just need to do that. And... That's one of the things that's difficult, especially when you go right. 16, 18 years apart from, right. from youngest to oldest. So this is one of, one of my own uh, pet projects now. Yeah. yeah. Are yeah. Your, is your family able to maintain traditions? And we know, you know we, they change a lot as the years go on. We've taken it upon my, ourselves, Sammy and I, to, to kind of take the traditions from my mother and, and from even, you know, my grandparents have now passed in the last couple of years. So, um... I had a Moroccan woman, my wife, making the, the Feast of the Fishes for Christmas Eve nice. the last couple of years. And it went over very, very well. She's a very good cook. So, uh, so that, that's been my, uh, my greatest success, I think, yeah, so far in good. life. Was pulling somebody has to do it. I mean, somebody has to say, I'm going to keep our family together and keep our traditions together or else they disappear. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think when you're growing up, you're thinking like, man, why? It seems like we're always eating. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But then like you realize yeah. now, like, there was a reason for that. Well, yeah. my last couple of years haven't been so good on the Bonzet. You know, I've had some uh, <laughs> well, maybe six cases of food poisoning oh, and then uh, and then a lot of things. So, uh, yeah, I've been scared to eat for the last five years, but that's just me. Oh, I, I, <laughs> so I have absolute sleep. food phobia. I don't sleep well. I, I definitely sleep. I don't sleep well. But I have a food phobia now at this point, which is why I got the kidney stones. I went a year going completely vegan, which is like, I mean, that's a sacrilege. What we're talking about here. <laughs> And I mean, we're talking. That's no cheese, you know. That's just yeah. yeah. No eggs. No. Uh, well, eggs? yeah, I didn't eat eggs either, yeah. you know. But this was because my stomach hurt so much. Because I think I really got something when I had my most recent case of food poisoning, the muscles in Brussels. Very poetic, but not very good. So sorry. I went vegan for a year, and I was eating. You know, you get these juices, you get these green yeah. juices, and they say they got spinach in it. 
Well, to make one of those juices, the amount of spinach you need is like, I mean, put your hands out as far as they yeah. possibly can go. That's how much spinach to get like two ounces of fluid. So I'd be eating that every day, drinking that every day, and, and, and tofu and quinoa and all these superfoods. And then I got kidney stones because they're the highest things in the world in oxalates, and that's what cause kidney stones. So my point of this very embarrassing story is they show you Popeye's muscles, they don't show you his kidneys. So I'm, I'm, I'm recovering from that right now. So while I share and I love the idea that food brings us all together, I'm still very scared of food. You actually might be one of the first guests to ever like talk about food that way. And I am very conscious of what I eat. And mm-hmm. I'm very like kind of like a health nut. So I find it's a struggle because I like to eat clean mm-hmm. And then, and this is a wow. real problem for me with my family. Absolutely. This is where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough yeah, because yeah. you, and then it's such a big part of the traditions, the food. It's huge. So, so I come home, and there I am on a streak. You know, hitting the gym every day, eating clean, and then I, I come home, and it's like. Do you eat the gnocchi mommy just made with yeah, her own two yeah, hands? Yeah. Do you do you not eat the gnocchi? Yeah. Like, it's just this, and you feel almost like am I betraying? Like I'm betraying my heritage if I don't eat it. But it's mm-hmm. this crazy balance. So how do you handle it? I don't handle it well right now. It's it's, it's been a source of um, consternation for my family. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had mom and dad over to watch Francesca last week, and I wound up making. They brought steak because I'm not cooking meat too often, so they brought their own steak. I wound up making uh, some rigatoni and vodka sauce that we had from the night before. I mean, there was veal involved in the meal, too. I mean, it was just entirely too much food. And it was, I mean, and my kale salad was eaten by me. And my parents, are all, the only vegetables they're eating are what the cow already ate. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> That's how they're getting their vegetables. Yeah. So when you guys do, you guys still get together as and have family dinners. Just we we do, holidays? yeah. My parents live about a mile away at this moment. Right. Now they're going to be moving to Florida, I think, in the very near so future. So you probably bring but, your own food when you go. Ah, uh, that's yeah. That's. Do you ever crave the Italian? I do, I do, or you but just know it's going to. I know it's going to hurt me in the end. I mean, I've I, I st- I've gone back to it a little bit. I've, yeah. I've learned. I've had to. I was getting a little bit too hard uh, going one way. So uh, that's where I am in my life. I kind of go a little bit too far to one extreme and then yeah. far to the other extreme. I know a little bit about that myself. Um, you know, something that I've been preparing to talk with you today, something that I really thought was very interesting about you and really kind of yeah. endeared you to me already was how proud you are to be Catholic. Mm, yeah. And you're kind of known for on Ash Wednesday going on, on air for a Yeah, that, see, that, that's tough for me, honestly. It's such a public thing to wear ashes on TV. You don't yeah. see it, which surprised oh. me, honestly. I've done it for 15 years, since I, as long as I've been in the business. But I do struggle with the publicness of it. And I've talked to, talked to my priests about this, yeah. too. I just do feel it's odd, you know. It, it's the overall showing of, uh, you know... From dust you're born and dust you shall return. And it's, it's, just, it's saying I am a sinner. It's saying we are all sinners. And there's also those readings about, you know, when you fast, don't walk around and, you know, yeah. don't anoint yourself and go out. You know, look good. Don't look bad. And here it is, you know, you're, you're doing this. On, so I've, I've struggled with that part of it. But for me, it, it is important. I'd be lying if I wasn't saying it. it's important. For people to see a person relatively young show that they're a person right. of faith, right. and and what has come from that is is been interesting discourse <laughs> over the last fifteen years. Some of it has been very positive, and it, is, it has been you know molding. Some of it has been very insulting, and negative, you know, and most of it has been furthering a dialogue, which I think is the most important thing. And let's be honest here: nobody is is perfect in their faith my faith has become very personal to me in a lot of ways since I have matured into the adult I am. I feel like it's important for anybody to constantly check in on what they believe and even in some ways, you know, come to a new understanding of what that is. That's what the Jesuits taught me. That's why I'm... I mean, what Pope Francis is doing and has done to me has been so uplifting and wonderful for the church. Just because... What it's based in is something we talked about before, compassion. Mm-hmm. And what it's based in is knowing what you believe and then putting those beliefs to the test 
and maybe coming to a greater understanding. That's what it's been all about. My family is Catholic. I've married into a family that is Muslim and Southern Baptist. Wow. In my extended family, I also have Coptic. My brother married a, an Egyptian-American girl. And then we have people who don't practice. And whether they're atheist or agnostic, I don't know how they would describe that. Now we're running a pretty full gambit. And for me to take that all into consideration, understand what that is, and to see the similarities and the, the, the similar values that, that these faiths have. And of course, we have Jewish people in our family as well. So I think one of the things that came out of being public about wearing an ash and being public about being Catholic was that people say, I know what you believe, I know what you're about, this is what you're about, you believe this, this, and this. And one of the things that I've enjoyed doing is creating a dialogue, which is to say, our faith is all our own. And, you know, you, you should be, in all faiths, considering it and reconsidering what it is. Right. Go ahead, Anthony. I'm just curious, the first... The first Ash Wednesday yeah. show that you did was it like the makeup artist came up to you and you were like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess if I had to go back and remember it, I mean I was 22, 23 at the time and I was I'm a strong-willed person and I was going to do it. And to the credit of my producers and my network, they never said you can't do that. Hmm. I think they want. So are you going to keep it on? They asked, but they never said anything other than that. And um, I think I was blessed early on to have very heavy knuckled priests giving it the first couple of years, so they're very dark and good ashes. <laughs> and then I've learned later on that it's good to kind of lean in while it's happening. Leaning in is always good advice, but especially on Ash Wednesday. So you have their thumb coming at you and your forehead coming at their thumb and you kind of... So it was a conscious decision to go on air. I mean, you were very... I was always a conscious decision yeah. and I was always aware of what it could be and I'm not somebody who's going to avoid being who they are. Right. Whatever it is. Right. Actually, I don't really talk about the ash on TV. I never do. It's just who I am that day. I talk about my family on the air. I talk about embarrassing things in my life, like, you know, the muscles in Brussels and things of that nature. I don't have, I mean, again, I guess that's the only way I know how to do it is just being who I am. So this is, this is who I am. And, and this is, I I still think it's important though for people to see that you can, you can be a person of faith and you can be a person of faith and talk about that. I think when I said before that it endeared me to you immediately is because I do think, especially for younger people, you know, Catholicism and the church, it's a very knotted subject. And for me personally, it's a huge part of who we are as an Italian, yeah, Italian-Americans, absolutely. and it's part of our traditions. So even for me, you know, the even just the imagery of the church, mm-hmm. you know, the crosses and Maron and all these things, they're very... They, they feel like home. Oh, no, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I mean, it's home for me. It's a place where someone uh, with my, my personality and energy can relax a little bit, I think. And then, I mean, it's inspiring. It's inspiriting. It's, it makes you aspire to be a better person every single day, which is what we should be doing, which we should be trying. You know, it's, that's a goal for life. And, I mean, the, the values are very beautiful to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Especially, though, again, I have to say, what Pope Francis is, is, is as progressive as he is. My, my faith is a progressive faith, you know? And for him to share that, or for me to share that with, with the Pope, I guess, is it makes me feel, it gives me comfort. If faith isn't giving yeah. you comfort, then what's the, what's the point of it? You know, yeah, no, a lot I understand of ways. that. You know, not to put you on the spot, but do you have any advice or suggestions for our listeners of how perhaps use Catholicism as a way to reconnect or to connect deeper with their Italian? Well, family? I mean, I'll say first. I mean, it's Catholicism for me because that's how how I was raised and how it would has brought me peace and understanding. I believe you can find this all over the place in many different ways. So I I would not say, and I would not walk somebody down a road that their their heart isn't calling them. I think think any faith in that, any spirituality is is good spirituality. Mm. It's good faith. But for me, I think I have things that keep me up at night. Worries and anxieties that keep me up at night because I am strung like that and it provides me peace Mm. and it provides, that right there is is enough for me, you know? Same thing. I understand that. Tony, do you, I mean, obviously you're in front of a big audience every day, and, you know, you're a young guy, 
do you ever think about, I'm sure you do, but you have all these people looking up to you, probably kids, a lot of youth. I mean, do you think about that, like the message you're sending? Um, I, I mean, I guess I'm aware of it. I, I always, you know, this is funny. Maybe Anthony remember this. There was a basketball player named Charles Barkley. Sure. Who um, now is a commentator. But, you know, he did a commercial for Nike where he said, I'm not a role model. And his point was, you know, I'm a basketball player. You might like, might like the way I play basketball, but that doesn't right. mean you want to be me. Uh, the person doesn't mean I'm a good person. It means I'm a good basketball player, you know? Mm-hmm. And that started a greater conversation. Well, whether he likes or not, people view him as a role model. And there's some truth to that, too, you know? Yeah. I, I certainly think there are role models in everybody's life, and they're in the home. I mean, I don't think you need to look much further than that. Mm-hmm. Or if, they, if they, they might not be in the home. They might be in the classroom. They might not. But they can, they can be in a lot of different places. I try not to put too much stock in the fact that I'm a talking head on TV, and that's my job. <laughs> it's, right. it, it's, it's not much bigger than that, you know? So I, in order to sleep well at night, will act the way that I feel is, is best. But I understand, you know, I mean, we're all going to make mistakes in life. And, and I feel that there's a lot of pressure on people who are legitimately out. And I mean, I'm, it was the TV show. It's, it's, it's not, you know, some of the people we were talking about earlier are really out in the public eye doing important things and good things. I'm doing, you know, something that is, you know, fun and entertaining and it's important on, on the smallest scale, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that needs to be considered by anybody, you know, who's who's watching the show. So you're humble about it. No, I'm not trying to be humble about it. I'm trying to be, I mean, what it is is, you know, I, I would love for my daughter to look up to me. Mm-hmm. And I would love to act and, and behave in a way that my family will be happy and proud. And my friends will be happy and proud. I, would, I, I need to continue to act that way. We all, acting is... I mean, it's active. You're doing something. You need to continue to do something. And that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of it. But for people who don't know somebody personally but have an idea of who they are from, from what they do professionally, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's tough. That's difficult to really consider. Right. It seems to function from a, I mean, I get that from you. Just a set of values seems to be a compass for you. Yes, I think that's true to say, I guess. I think that that's true for, for everybody, I guess, right? right? Well, I don't know if that is. I, but I do think that in people who are in your position, which is you know just viewed by so many people and in the public eye, to have a set of values and to live by that is not actually something that I feel like we see very often, which is kind of why I brought up the Catholicism and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started talking about Mike Piazza when we sat down. It's another person similar to you in that vein. You know, here's somebody who's in the sports world, and, you know, not everybody in the sports world is particularly someone you want to look up to or, you know, you would say has impeccable values, not to put impeccable on him, but still very Catholic, very proud of being Catholic, very family-oriented. You know, I think that it's terrific to have people like that. And nobody has everything figured out, though. And, I mean, I think... For me and our family, it was about a golden rule, and it was about, you know, working hard, and yeah. it wasn't really about thinking too much about the other stuff on the side. <laughs> I think that's a gift we can offer as Italian-Americans, that that sense of, it's it's okay, basically what I'm trying to get at is it's okay to be successful, wealthy, in the public eye, and still have morals, you know, and, like, morals are okay. Mm. You know, we're talking about in this modern society, it's almost like, break all the rules, everything is has to be iconoclastic, you know. You can be both modern and forward and successful and still have these kind of values that came from your great-grandparents, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason, too, that I was just asking about that, you know, is from being in front of an audience and being, I say the word leader, because, I mean, we talk about whether it's from the Catholic perspective or from the Italian-American perspective, is that I mean, things that we're doing, anyone that has an opportunity, like we have an opportunity with the podcast to help people connect with their heritage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you get in front of people. And it could shape things. You know what I mean? Like, like we're hoping that yeah. the po- people are going to listen to the podcast and be like, man, I'm going to go have lunch with my grandparents and, yeah. like, try to remember some stuff about where I came from. Mm-hmm. So I just think, like you're saying, we have a job, and if there's something that comes out of it, like, for the greater right. good, I mean, that's great. And I think that... I know that we, you know, we love the opportunity to do this and to 
if a lot of more people listen to our show because we have Tony Reale on it, great. That's only a lot of more Italian Americans that we can help try to inspire them to yeah. carry it on. Because I mean, it is different these days. Like I have three kids, and you kind of think like you know, and I have two brothers. So you know, like you were saying, we got raised a certain way. I remember it, and I do things now because of that. And I'm hoping that they're going to be saying the same thing, but it's like a different world. Yeah. How old are your kids? Nine, six, and three. What are their names? Brianna, AJ, and Penelope. Mm-hmm. So he went you know. American. Yeah. His name choices. <laughs> but, but, but two girls, two girls, two girls, mm-hmm. son in the middle, yeah. and I'm I'm going to Italy with them this summer, oh. taking them there. Where are you going? We're going all over, but Naples region, Salerno, where my family's from, and Sicily, mm-hmm. where my other side of my family's from. I'm trying to teach them some Italian, and they're they're liking it, they're enjoying it, and you know, listen, I'm, I don't. It's not like I'm asking them to become fluent in Italian or, you know, to go live in Italy, but I want them to just understand, like, where they came from. I remember three of us, just from talking here, it sounds like we all had these values and we had structure in our lives, we had our family. I just want to make sure that that kind of keeps going in some way, you know? I mean, I understand that things are different. They're going to be different. You know, like, kids have cell phones at what age today? Like, I'm sure (laughs) your father would would have handed you a cell phone, right? No, I got one, like, way when I could buy it. (laughs) So it's different, but I'm just saying, like, there can still be things that we can do, and I think yeah. if we can have an impact in any way. No, did you ever think what would happen if you guys did DNA testing and it came back and you weren't all Italian? It's funny because I just saw that, like, Ancestry.com commercial yeah. where the guy yeah. is talking about, he's like, I thought I was Italian. Yeah. I just yeah. thought about this the other yeah. day, and I was like, what can the you hell imagine would I do? What, no. what a mind <laughs> it would, it bend would, that yes, would be? Yes. Well, you know what's interesting is that... But you'd be the same person you always were with the same upbringing you always had, and it would just happen to be a little bit different. There there would have been, you know... It would mess with my sense of myself. I I definitely... It's funny, though, because we're going to Sicily, and we interviewed a gentleman who wrote a book about Sicily, so I read this book about Sicily, about the history of Sicily. Greeks, No, no, yeah, Sicily especially. Spanish. Right. So I'm telling my wife, I said, I, I think I'm like Park Creek. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> this whole mix. You know, and it's yeah. like not that long ago. Yeah. Right? That no, they, it's not. I mean, the country only goes back 130 years. No, when we were having a baby, Sammy and I were wondering, what is she going to look like? You know? Yeah. And now we're like, well, Sam's family's from Morocco with a little bit of, of English in there. And, and I'm Italian, you know? And we just started looking at Malta. And we're like, we're gonna, she's going to look Maltese, you know? It's, it's in between the boot and, and Morocco. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a beautiful baby. Well, you know, we're going to wrap up and let you go. You've given us yeah. so much of your time today. But uh, we did. We met you at the gala, at yeah. the NIAF gala, yeah. and um, you introduced my piazza. Yeah. I thought your comments were really beautiful. And I'm going to not quote you directly, but the general idea was I remembered one of your lines resonated with me where you said, you know, there are other names in the Hall of Fame like Yogi Berra and some other, let's say, American, more American names and you said and something along the lines of and now there'll be a name like Piazza. Yeah, yeah. Should I get close? Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. We've given the world so many great things. Our names are right at the top of this list. I was starting to tell you this story earlier. Here's the full story, okay? Mm-hmm. So Francesca came to us. She wasn't named for two days. We were going to call right. her Fiorella for, for the first two days. We were thinking it was Fiorella. We never put it really down on the paper. And then she, she came out with such force that she was a Francesca, which has a lot more punch to it. Fiorella means little flower, of course. Mm-hmm. And this is how that name came about. Mm-hmm. So... um. When I wanted to propose to Sammy, we were going to do it in New York. We were living in D.C. at the time, but we came up. And I had the ring in a box, the box in a shoe, the shoe in a bag, and the bag in the safe at the hotel, the Chambers Hotel, 56th Street. And we were going to do it Sunday morning in the hotel room because neither one of us were going to make public you right, know, display yeah. of proposal. So Saturday afternoon, we're walking down the street. We walk by Harry Winston, and we walk by Tiffany's, and we look in, and we see a ring. We've been together a while. She knows it's coming, but she doesn't know what's coming this week. And I see the ring in the in the uh, glass right there, and it's the exact cut, the cushion cut that I bought, but it's totally on its own, the star of the show, which is what I always wanted. And at some point, my Sammy said that she wanted moonstones on the side, which is what I got her. So now she goes, that's the most beautiful ring I've ever seen. And I go... Mm, I knew it. So now in the back of my head, I'm not going to give her this ring this weekend. I'm going to reset the stone. So 
I'm content with this decision. And I actually had stress off for the rest of the weekend. I was like, oh, I'm not going to propose now. So the ring is in the box. The box right. is in a shoe. The shoe's in a bag. We're checking out of the hotel in the morning so we could spend the rest of the day in Manhattan. And I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't know what to do with this. I mean, either it's in the pocket and I'm going to need it pickpocketed in a city that I know better than any city in the world. Or I'm going to leave it with the hotel. Well, I thought the Chambers Hotel. We can take care of this. Mr. Reale, yes, we will take this. We'll put it in the safe right here. Here's your ticket. Thank you very much. We go out all day. It's the Dominican Day Parade. We go out dancing. We go out drinking. We come back. We're in the cab on the way to the airport. I'm like, babe, let's just stop by the hotel and let's get our bag. It's got our apartment keys and our car keys in it. So no problem. I run out of the cab. I go there. Mr. Reale, good to see you again. Yes, of course. Here's the ticket. Thank you. They open up the safe in front of me and the safe is empty. The safe's empty. The safe is absolutely empty. Oh, Mr. Reale, you know what? We moved it to the backup safe. And I said, backup safe? The whole idea of a safe is that you don't need a backup safe. They go back around the counter. They go to the backup safe. They come back empty-handed. At this moment, I'm about to projectile vomit all over the place. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and of course, I look at the ticket and it says we are not responsible for lost items. What do you mean you're not responsible? If you give me a ticket, you're responsible, okay? So Sammy comes running in from the cab. She's like, what are you doing? The meter's at like 50 bucks. I go, send the cab away. They lost our bag with our apartment keys and our car keys. We can't even get home from the airport. So she goes back outside, and I say to the general manager of the hotel, okay, listen to me and listen to me carefully. Inside that bag, there was a shoe. Inside that shoe, there was a box. Inside that box, there was a ring. It was an engagement ring. And I've yet to fully engage myself with my girlfriend. The general manager, she starts crying. Which is not, which is a fine reaction because I was crying, you know. But it's not the reaction that you want to think, you know, we're going to get the job done here and find you the bag. So, Sam comes walking back in and she sees the general manager crying who's avoiding eye contact with Samia as, as much as she possibly can. And she goes, what did you do? Did you yell at these people? I've never seen you yell in your life. Why would you yell? I go, they lost their bags, Sam. I can't go to car keys. Again, needing air, needing yeah. contemplate the fact that this ring is lost. And it's basically like I gave the car keys, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz keys to somebody and just walked away. I go out to the street to get some air. And I'm with Sammy and I'm getting ready to tell her. And that's when the, the porter comes running out. And this paisan was like a New York City ca- central casting for a porter. He had a mustache. He had a big belly. Oh, we located the bag. I'm like, oh, where is it? It's at LaGuardia Airport. What? Yes. So they, they know how to take the ticket. They don't know how to keep the ticket right. and keep the oh, bag. Two couples yes. were checking out 20 minutes before we showed up, and they gave them both bags inside the safe, assuming it was, you know, it was all theirs. So we get to curbside check-in where this couple has called. The kindness of strangers. This family from Iowa called and said, we have an extra bag here. We're at curbside checking. Can can we just leave it here? I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. Why don't you just wait? So we drive out to LaGuardia. And we're weaving in and out of traffic. And the general manager is trying to make small talk. We're in Astoria, Queens now. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, and I said, there's a lot of Greeks here. We know. Let's go. (laughs) So we get, we get into LaGuardia and... And, I, and we pull up and immediately see this sweet family from Iowa. And I see the man, and I see the bag next to him. And I go up to him, and I throw him to the side. And I totally ignore the man, and I get to the bag. And I see the bag, and, and, and I rip open the bag, and I see the shoe. And I see the shoe, and I rip open the shoe, and I see the box. And I rip open the box, and I see the ring. And I pull Sam in between the men's and women's bathroom at LaGuardia Airport, and I propose right there. <laughs> oh, you did it. <laughs> There's a guy buffing the floors, looking at me it's like, you thought this was romantic? It's <laughs> a New Yorker, right? <laughs> and this is LaGuardia's marine terminal, which is beautifully, I mean, beautiful. it looks like Humphrey Bogart would live there. You know what I mean? It's great. So Fiorello or Fiorello is going to be the first name of the baby wow. for, for as long as That's we were awesome. gone. But that we, did, we didn't have a Fiorella now, but we oh, have a Francesca, and we're, God, we're, we're, we're very happy for her. So, so this all started with me bringing up your intro to Piazza. So names. The they came up with names. Yeah. That these names need to live on. That there should be a, uh, a one-year-old girl with the name Francesca, even though every time I say it, someone's like, oh, my great-grandmother was Francesca. Yeah, yeah well, I'm Dolores, so you don't mean... Um, yeah. Dolores is my generation. Um, so, yeah, there should be Fiorellas and Fiorellos and Francescas. And what I took from that comment in your introduction was 
the name itself being Italian American in a very American place and in a place of such high regard. Mm-hmm. Was, yes, the Hall of Fame, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You were yeah. Getting at. So yeah. That, why do you why do you think that's important that identification as Italian Americans? Like why not just call yourself American and and skip doing all these events for Well, for Piazza, I guess, because I mean it, it's the ultimate accomplishment and honor, you know? Yeah. This is in the place, you know, the Hall of Fame, the place that the museum that will live forever in the, in the, the for the sports history and yes that that the name lives forever your name stays with you your whole life mm-hmm. yeah. you know people change their names and they do it for reasons but they always you know it, the name stays with you and you obviously identify as italian american so mm-hmm. why I mean, why not just be American? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I have an answer to that question. I think you just stumped me. Yeah, it's not the answer. I mean, it's, it's who I am. It's all I know. It's what I love being. I mean, I mean that's a good answer. This is, well, I mean, that's who you are all day. Yeah. Right? Like you said, you just on the air. Off air, to your, you, you we did a great job. We've, even if people take Goodfellas and The Godfather out of what being Italian is, right. and I'm not even going to bring up Jersey Shore, but let's let's throw Jersey Shore out. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you, we did a good job, our PR people did great work, and our PR people being yeah. our fathers and our our grandfathers right. and our mothers and our grandmothers, we did great work when we came to this country. Yeah. People see the Italians and the Italian Americans, and what do they feel? They feel good. They feel warm. They yeah. feel enriched by art, by culture, by they they feel full in their bellies. Yeah, and it automatically makes people feel at home. Agreed. How many times have you had a friend say? I wish I was Italian like you. Oh, I wish yeah. I grew all up in time. that We family. talk about all the time, Sunday dinner, how many friends, your friends wanted to come with you because, you know. They were, like, trying to get away from their families and <laughs> wanted to come and hang out with yours, you know. And I can't think of a better compliment. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And I have to say, hmm. we just watched a recording of Around the Horn before we came up here to speak with you, and you do... I'm kind of biased, obviously, but you do run the show mm-hmm. like an Italian... Do I? I mean, this is... Yeah, he's... You're, <laughs> Tony is very, obviously for our listeners who are not there, you are, you're very like warm. Does everybody have what they need? Even with us just sitting there watching you, yeah, you kept checking here, on yeah. us, make sure we had what we, we, you know, we were comfy and we were taken care of. And you, you're very genuine with that. And we've been here with you almost all day in the studios. My goal in life is to become the Italian grandmother I was always meant to be. <laughs> you got it going. Thank <laughs> you very much, Tony. Thank show. you for yes. taking the time. Today. Thanks for, having, Thank for, you know, for having us and yes. for being so great with your time. We appreciate it. Now it's time for the Italian American story segment. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, and we try to play a recording or a story from one of our relatives or one of our listeners, and today we're going to focus on Father's Day. Our sponsor for this segment of the show is Select Italy. Select Italy is the ultimate source for travel to Italy and offers a wide array of superior Italian travel products and services, including customized itineraries, fascinating tours, romantic getaways, unique and fun culinary classes, yacht charters, transportation, hotel reservations, villa bookings, tickets for museums and musical events, and more. So today's Father's Day. It is a special day. I want to wish everybody a very happy Father's Day. And before you hear a conversation between Dolores and her sister, Anna, I want to just give you my own reflection or thoughts on Father's Day. And for me, I feel lucky because at my age, I'm lucky to have both my grandfathers my father and my two brothers are fathers, so surrounded by fathers, which feels good. It feels great. This Saturday, my grandfather's celebrating his 90th birthday, and we'll have a party where both of my grandfathers will be there, and now they're both over 90. My father will be there, my father-in-law, my brothers. So I think when you get surrounded by people like that, you have to appreciate it and not take it for granted, because I did have a lot of friends growing up who lost their grandfathers or their father, and so I try to remember it. And I try to go, and I've said this on the show before, I try to go and visit my grandparents, have lunch with them when I can on a regular basis, talk to them, learn about their past, learn about what they went through to raise us. And I just think that that's the important thing about Father's Day and Mother's Day. 
in Italian culture, your parents are obviously like the pillars of your family. Like you look up to them and they do what they have to do to grow you and grow your family. And a lot of the immigrants went through really difficult times like Dolores's parents to raise the family to where they are today. And so it's definitely a celebration in that, but it's also remembering that we're lucky to have these people with us on a day-to-day basis. So enjoy the fathers that you have in your lives, and I wish you all the best on this Father's Day. So now we're going to play this conversation between Dolores and her sister Anna in celebration of Father's Day. Hello? Hi. Hi, sis. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Great. So nice to hear from you. (laughs) We only talked three other times today. (laughs) (laughs) Beginning at 8 a.m. We're thinking that, you know, a lot of our listeners on Father's Day would be in our shoes, meaning like you and I and the rest of our family, which is, you know, they've they've lost their fathers and their nonos. Right. And so days like Father's Day can be hard. So we just thought it would be a good point to touch on that a little bit and just talk about it. So I figured who better to talk about it with than my sister. So before we jump into Father's Day, I was wondering if you want to talk a little bit about what it was like growing up with an Italian-American father. Or actually, I guess we grew up with an Italian father. Was he American American at all? I was just saying that. You read my mind. I was just saying, I guess we actually grew up with an Italian father. (laughs) You grew up with an Italian-American dad, not me. That's true. That's true. I came around nine years later, so it's true. He was more American by the time I got there. So what was it like to grow up? You really got the old-school Italian dad. It was very hard. I feel like I paved the way for you. He was very strict. He didn't let on to me that he was very strict, but I think mommy took a lot of it and she had to execute a lot of the old traditions that he wanted for his daughter. Yeah. And that's why she was always the disciplinarian and we were scared of her. (laughs) But, you know, he was always so kind and sweet and, you know, he didn't let you know it, but... Yeah, things were very strict. I, you know, if I wore the wrong thing, he's like, why is she wearing that? If I had too much makeup on, why does she have all that makeup on? Where is she going? Why is she out so late? Who is she going with? Why does she have to go out again? Why can't she sit here with us? (laughs) Why can't she eat with us for five hours at the table? I don't understand. It's true. I I really got a softer kind of daddy. But then again, uh, daddy's little girl. Yeah, he he was definitely different with you. You know, he was working a lot when I was younger. We had the pizzeria. He was, they were just getting on their feet. Then he went to the landscaping business. I think he was able to enjoy you a lot more 10 years later. And I think you, you know, just brought out the softer side in him. You know, I mean, we all benefited from that, from that daddy later on in life. I think he just, you know, he had the weight on his shoulders of all of his siblings to take care of them and their families, bring them over, his grandparents, bringing everybody here, making sure he had a good life here. I think, you know, he was just a different person. But still loving and a great dad. Agreed. And I do think mommy, she definitely played the bad cop, especially with me, because daddy couldn't even, I don't know, he was such a softy with me, he couldn't even, like, get mad. No, ridiculous. (laughs) Nobody could could touch you. (laughs) The one thing he definitely was always very proud of up until the very end was his family. Yeah, that's true. Always. His children, always, of what we all accomplished. And I wish he could have been here to really see, you know, where we all are today. He was already proud. I can't imagine now. And grandchildren. And I mean, I would have loved that. I like to think sometimes that he can still, he knows somehow. I hope. (laughs) And uh, certainly when I do the show a lot, I think of him. I just feel like he would have no idea what exactly a podcast was. (laughs) No, but he would, he for sure would listen to it. He would learn how to do it. Absolutely. And he would totally would. And he would be like, what do you want to film today? What do you want to make now? He would totally be on board with it. Because that's how proud he was, and he would be happy to do anything. And he'd be telling all his customers and all these people, listen to my daughter, listen to my daughter. That's right. I know. Let's talk a little bit about the holiday itself. I mean, at this point, I don't even register Father's Day anymore. I don't know if it's me being like a defense mechanism, but I don't realize it's coming. It's just like not on my radar anymore until maybe I see an ad. Right. You know, like on the internet and be like, great gifts for dad, get dad this, or I'll get an email that's your dad would love this. Oh boy. And then I'll realize that it's coming. So how do you feel about it? You know, I think that, I mean, how hard was it in the beginning for us? It was so hard. Oh my God. For like two years, it was so hard. 
I think that if you can continue to just find strength within your family and still maybe do what you would have done and be with your family. And, you know, I know in the first year we just were so sad. Yeah. And then like in that second year or towards the end of that first year, you could find yourself thinking about him and, you know, remembering all the good memories. And and all of a sudden you found yourself laughing at the stories that, you know, made you giggle when Mm. he was here. So, you know, it definitely, you never forget. And the pain is always there, but it does get lighter and you start to remember the good rather than the fact that they're no longer here. You know, the sadness kind of, I I feel gets buried underneath the memories, the good memories. That's a great way to say it. I mean, yeah, that's how I do it. You know, I talk to him every day, whether I'm annoyed with him or (laughs) sharing something with him. Sunday, we were doing our patio. And as you know, daddy built our entire patio Mm, with his bare hands. Mm -hmm. And we were putting the sand back in it. And I just looked up and I said, Dad, I hope you're watching. We're taking care of it. Mm, So it's hard. There's different moments. And you know, you know, Father's Day is coming. And yeah, you hope you hope they know you hope they're watching. But you just, I didn't believe it. But time does Mm. heal. And I do enjoy I, I share the memories. We talk about my dad with the kids. The kids remember all the funny stories, even though they were I think Zachary was, my youngest was what, six, seven? He was in kindergarten. Yeah. We laugh about the funny stories and daddy's funny accent. And that's why it makes me so sad that he's not here because he would still be so funny to them. Yeah. Well, he was pretty memorable. I mean, daddy was a character for sure. Yeah. Well, you always say if you weren't sad, it would mean they weren't so important. They weren't, right. They weren't important and you didn't, right. They didn't make an impact on you. Absolutely. I was, when daddy died, it was like a bomb went off. It's horrible. Horrible. It was so horrible because yeah. he, he died rather suddenly. He was 63, 63 right. very young, and we had no idea it was coming, and neither did he. And it yeah. was devastating because he played such a big role in our family. Yeah. You know, as we all do, you know, when he meant something very, very deeply to us and to many other people. I mean, everybody loved Daddy. Right. But he was young. We were young. It wasn't time. It wasn't time. Yeah, it wasn't time. And we truly thought we couldn't, you know, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to do this? But, you know, stick together with your family and you find the strength and together, you know, it it just, you know, it gets easier to bear as time goes on. It does. You know, I feel now Father's Day is always hard. His birthday's hard. You know, that kind of stuff is difficult. But I feel like I miss him now at the strangest times. Of course, I think about him all the time. But like you said, you know, nowadays you can think about him more in that happy way. Like it makes you you think of him and you just, you know, you laugh or you just think how grateful you are that he was your father, you know. And but sometimes it'll just catch me at the weirdest moments and I'll just be like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be Father's Day or, you know, it's just a weird moment. Maybe you're pouring sand yeah, <laughs> you know, it's my pavers. It's yeah. Or pavers. when I get ready for the summer and I plant my flowers and I think about, you know, in the long garden that he built for me out there. And I'm like, all right, I got a love from him of, of the flowers and planting outside because he was a landscaper and he just loved all the colors. And so, you know, whether I want to be a slave to watering my plants all summer long, which I hate, I plant them <laughs> because I know I know when he would show up here with like a leftover flowers from landscaping, he'd be like, you're going to put these in, you're going to put them here, you're going to put them there, you're gonna... or he would do it for me, you know, and in the fall, he'd right. bring all the mums. So right. I feel like I do it for him because I know he loved it. That's perfect. I mean, you find other ways to stay close to him. Yeah, and exactly. I, like I said before, I mean, I feel like a large part of why I, I keep doing the show. I mean, there's many reasons, but daddy is 100% one of them as he was really proud of being Italian and he really loved America as well, you know, and he knew daddy was one of those immigrants who loved Italy. Oh my God. All his life. He was going to go back, right? He was always going to go back. He was always going to go back and live there again. But at the same time, he knew that without America, he couldn't have done what he did for his family. Absolutely. Right. And he was just, he knew that. He was really proud of being of those two things. So I know that if he sees me doing this, he's he's super proud of me. And that's why I want to keep doing it. Absolutely. He would definitely be very proud. I think what made daddy feel great about coming here was like watching, you know, our brothers go to work in suits. Mm. Us go to work, you know, with like high heels and, you know, right. dress nice every day. He knew right. from having worked so hard in Italy with his bare hands and his body 
And even till the end with, you know, landscaping and home improvements, he worked so hard. I remember him always saying to me, that's why we work so hard. That's why we came here. So you don't have to do what we did. You use your mind, not your hands and not, yeah, and not beat up your body like we had to. You go there and you use your mind and you dress in a suit every day and you look nice every day. That's why we came here. Oh, you just gave me chills. Oh, yeah. No, but he always said that. You know, when I would work at Dal America and leave the house in my, well, how old was I? 1920. Like, there she goes, you know, in her, you know, suit and heels. But he loved that because he felt like he had laid that he, he suffered and did what he did to come here to lay that groundwork for us. Right. It it made all his sacrifices and hard work worth it. It validated it. And it's true. He never wanted, he had the successful business. He never wanted Anthony and Dominic to take it over. Mm-mm. Never. Nope. He always said that. He always mm-hmm. said that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work with your mind. He said, work with your, use your brain. Sis, thanks for taking some time to talk to me, talking to our listeners. Oh, you're very welcome. I have Zachary here who's a little sad listening to me. Oh, Peanut. That's my nephew, Zachary. <laughs> Thinking about, no, no. He doesn't want to talk. He's already <laughs> getting teary eyed. Sorry. <laughs> I also think you go to a point where you learn how to not go there anymore so when you right right so when you do start talking about it like we're doing right now it opens it up and it can it comes up well well we'll miss you daddy this father's day well and every day for that matter that's for sure i hope you enjoyed this episode and this segment which we wanted to focus on father's day happy father's day to all of you out there I'd like to take a minute here to once again recognize our sponsor for this segment, Select Italy. Everything you need for optimum travel to Italy is possible with Select Italy. Their helpful travel planners in Chicago, New York, and Shanghai are always ready to give the best advice on when and where to visit, while the Florence support staff is there to help should you need anything while you're in Italy. The company recently expanded its offerings and services to the Balkans with the launch of Select Croatia. Visit SelectItaly.com and SelectCroatia.com. All right, let me kick it over to Dolores now. Please consider connecting with us via email by visiting italianamericanpodcast.com and clicking on the Join Us tab. That's the best way to know when new episodes are coming out, when new blog posts go up, and any other fabulous news we might have to share with you. After that, you can find us on social media, on Instagram at Italian American, on Twitter at Ital American, I-T-A-L American, and on Facebook at Italian American Podcast. Ciao, paisani.